Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You have probably heard me say on this program before that pastoring for so many years, I always preached the Bible and taught the Bible. But in these last 10 years, I think the Bible was opened up to me in a different way of it being missional. And I remember the very first time I ever heard that word coined, missional. I wonder what it was, and I heard the definition, but more than knowing the definition is experiencing it and knowing that the Bible is missional. I knew it was God's history book. I knew it was Jesus, his story. I knew it was instruction. But when I saw the purpose of the redemption of God to the history into the ages, into the people of the world, the nations, it really brought an excitement to the Bible that I don't think you get any other way. There's no way you get any more excited about Bible study than to studying it from a missional point of view of carrying the Word of God to the nations that God loves and wants to know Him. So that's what Exploring Missions, it was birthed out of that vision. It was birthed, this program was birthed out of that purpose. And our co-host, as usual, is Nathan Harper. Nathan is the one, my son, he's the one that alerted me more to the missional purpose of the Bible. I'd already been to college, I'd been to seminary, I'd been to everything. But uh, when Nathan came and we served together in the same church, it brought on a new vision. And so... When we study the Bible, don't miss those missional moments. Nathan, they're there. They're all through it, aren't they? It it really is. And personally speaking about the same sort of thing you are, the Bible really, for me, came to life in a new way as I was serving on the mission field and reading the Bible and reading the similar stories, even one that we're going to look at today, reading similar stories that I grew up hearing in Sunday school and church and at home, but seeing some of that lived out in people's lives, sometimes for the first time, when they're hearing God's word for the first time or responding to God and the gospel for the first time. And just having the Bible on the mission field really opened up a lot of new things for me myself. And so, yeah, God's word, well, God is a missionary God, you know, The word missionary means to to send out, and God sent himself. He sent Jesus, and someone said the the closer we get to God, the more missionary-like we become, and I want that to be true of me. And you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a radio teacher to do that. Where you are and the vocation God has placed you in, make it missional. There are some jobs. How in the world can you do it? I'm not, that's not the program we do this on. It may, if you can't be missional in your program, in your livelihood, you might need to say, Lord, what do I need to do? I'm yeah. not going to tell folks what to do. Well, get creative. That's one yeah, thing. Yeah, get creative. But uh, we, we want to be missional. The farmer, 
Uh, we have people that are farming that listen to us, and I'm so thankful the the truck drivers that listen to us, the school teachers that listen to us, the factory workers that listen, and your own mission for God, and that's what this program is about, to tell you about others, that it might alert you, to go over the scriptures, that it might help you. And so let's do that today. Let's do some Bible study today about missions. Nathan, would you lead us through this yeah. in in Luke chapter 4, I believe, isn't it? Yeah, glad it? to. Luke chapter 4, we'll start with verse 14, and we'll probably read in two parts. The first part will go through verse 21. So Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So uh, there's a lot there, and we definitely want to look at the words of Isaiah that Jesus read from, the scroll there. That's verses 18 and 19. But even before we get to that, some of the context that we looked at, is there anything there that kind of jumps out at you and stands out? His hometown, returning there, but notice what it says, the power of the Spirit. Here's Jesus, who is God, and the power of the Spirit is upon him. You know, there's a lot of discussion, theologically, Christology, pneumonology. Yeah, how can that happen? How could that happen? It's divine. It's mysterious. And if you begin to try to take the mystery Out of some of the things that you read in the Scripture, you're going to be miserable. It is a mystery. Here is Jesus, who is God. He was God before he was baptized, and the Spirit came down, and now here he is, full of the Spirit. Let me put it this way, Nathan. I don't know how you say it any other way. It's God compounded. I mean, here's Jesus, who he is, and the Spirit of God. So that does notice that. So does it add anything that I would listen to? No, it really doesn't. It just, I think it explains and tells what's happening. It's reporting what's happened. And then we see what he said about yeah. in the book of Isaiah. Yeah, the, the idea about Jesus being led in the power of the Spirit, and that is all throughout the book of Luke. You know, Luke, more than the other gospel writers, talks about the Spirit over and over. And you can almost... Luke also wrote the book of Acts. I know we've talked about this before on this program, but you could take Luke and Acts together, and Luke would be Jesus operating in the power of the Spirit, and Acts is the church operating in the power of the Spirit. That's it. And on a uh, theological, on trying to interpret that, it's, that's hard. But applying it, I think, is pretty easy. When we go on mission, when we're sent out on mission, wherever that is in our workplace, in our homes, across the world, across the street, we need to be led by the power of the Spirit. I, you know, 
preaching most of my life, still preaching, and God's called me as that, Nathan. I mean, you know, on the radio, I, I, I'm a preacher. Now, I don't take away from it or add to it, but uh, my wife, Jan, has said, Bert, I've heard you preach, and then I've heard you preach in the power of the Holy Spirit. Bert, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. And I'm not the only one. All of us do, Nathan. We need to be led by the Spirit of God and be filled with his power. Amen. And his presence brings his power, by the way. That's right. So here's Jesus himself being led by the power, being empowered by the Spirit to accomplish the mission that God has given him to do. And he goes to Nazareth, which is his hometown, as you mentioned. Talk about a tough mission field. A prophet is without honor except in his own country. And he, they'd say later on, is this not the carpenter's son? You That's know? right. It's hard to see the uh, can't. What is it? Can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, I, th- I think the case here in, in Nazareth, a lot of the people's minds were closed off yeah. to who Jesus was. Not just the message that he brought, but even the messenger I, himself, I because he was so familiar. And many times we can have more fruit. I mean, we want to go where God calls us. Even here's Jesus himself going to his own hometown, but we can see usually, usually is the case. You see more fruit in another context than what you probably grew up in. There are exceptions. There are. That is a pretty well rule. Yeah. So he was in Nazareth. He went to the synagogue. It says, as was his custom. find that interesting. And so what? Jesus went to church. Yeah. But he was a teacher because what did they do? They, They gave him the scrolls, right? That's right. So they asked him, invited him. He had already had some recognition in other places, and now when he comes back, it would be very unhospitable for them to not present him the scroll. That's right. So, uh, and, you know, you could say, if you believe in coincidence, I know we don't, we believe in God's sovereignty and providence, but you could say, what a coincidence. They happen to read, they hand him this this scroll, you know, the book of Isaiah. But uh, it was all God's timing, wasn't it? It is. And he has perfect timing. I'm amazed. Everybody says, man, I want to get on God's roadmap. But something is as important as a roadmap is the timetable. And have you, I've missed plane flights before. I was at the right place to go to the right city, but I wasn't on time. And I had to reschedule. So the roadmap and the timetable are working together. And that's what happens here. So here's what I want to do. This is what Jesus reads from the scrolls from the prophet Isaiah there in the synagogue in Nazareth. You heard me read that at the beginning here of this program. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 61 and read it directly from Isaiah as Jesus had done. Okay, this is Isaiah chapter 61 starting in in verse 1. See what differences you might can pick out as you're listening. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, <laughs> obviously the last line. Yeah, obviously. I, I kind of emphasize that, <laughs> but you probably picked up on it anyway. Jesus quit reading right in the middle of what we call chapter 61, verse 2. He just read the first part of what we would say is verse 2. Do you have any thoughts about that? I do, because he had come 
to set the captives free, to heal the brokenhearted, to bring sight. The other is going to come later. You know, when you read when you read the prophets, I, I heard it this way. My professor at Blue Mountain College, Dr. Travis, said, when you're on, in the Old Testament and you're looking at the prophecies of Jesus coming, it, there's obviously two. The first time he comes, the second time he comes. And he said, but if you look at it, it's like two mountain peaks. But from where you're looking at, you're looking at the first mountain peak, and the second mountain peak is just right behind it, and you see both of them in clarity. And sometimes it's difficult to know, is it the first mountain peak or the second mountain uh, in other words, is his first coming or his second coming? Which one is it talking about? And here, definitely, he cuts off about what he's come to do the first time. I would agree with that. I would also add that what if Jesus left off the part about the judgment of God, is what that part he left off was about, because he was here to take that judgment. Woo. Amen. You know? That's better than my explanation. I, well, I think it's both. I yeah. do think it's both because— there are, even in the New Testament, it still talks about the day of the the day of Lord, the the yeah. judgment that is coming. Yeah, but what He did for us on the cross, Nathan. Sometimes we have we gotten so used to teaching it and reading about it that we've gotten used to it and and don't see the magnitude of that. Oh, and yeah. you just opened Easy. that up to me afresh and anew. You know, He said, "I'm becoming that. I'm paying that price for you." So, Amen. Interesting. We'll go back to to these words and look at them a little bit more specific. But it's interesting the people's response. So after he he reads, he rolls up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him because they recognized immediately two things. I would say they recognized one: this is a passage about the coming Messiah. Okay, the promised Messiah, the one to come and deliver God's people. And two, they might have also picked up on that he left off the part about judgment. And then he says something really, really profound, verse 21. Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, before we move on, I want to ask you about the word fulfilled. Does that mean everything, like you mentioned before in the Old Testament, prophesied about the Messiah and about Israel and about the Lord? Has that been all of a sudden fulfilled in that moment or what was Jesus talking about I I believe when he he says this I'm here this is me I am here the emphasis is upon the spirit of the lord is upon me okay. you've got to go back I think to that pronoun right and he's saying upon me and then he says today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing it's me and I'm here you, you get lost in the details now the details are awesome and sometimes teachers and preachers, they bring those details to light that we may not see. But you can get so detailed that you miss the glory of, of, of just what he, he says. It is fulfilled in your hearing today. I'm here. It's here. You see it. It's here. Good news. Bring out and celebrate. You remember later on, they'd talk about the fasting and the feasting. Right. Yeah. And they would take Jesus' disciples to the task of them eating. Yeah, why are you not fasting? fasting, Yeah, Yeah, why aren't you doing that? And he said, man, there's plenty of time to that. While while I'm here, we better feast and we better enjoy what it is. So I think when you connect those two together, but Mm -hmm. I think the emphasis here, the Lord is upon, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And I would also add to that that the kingdom of God that Jesus came and proclaimed is a kingdom that is that is here, but yet, not yet in fullness. Right. Right? It's present, but it's also future. You know, he gave the earnest of our inheritance. That's all, you know, which a down payment. Right. There's we, more we, to come. Yeah, there's more to come. And I think, man, with Christ, there, Jesus said that about the Holy Spirit. He said, it's necessary that I go away. Yeah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to live in you. I could only walk beside you. And I think that's been good, but the Holy Spirit's going to live in you. I think that's important to kind of help focus a little bit of our mission work in that our mission work is not only, not just about seeing people saved and evangelism. There's more to it than that moment of, you know, a lot of times we've talked about how we'll go on a trip and then we'll see people saved and we'll come back and we'll say this many people were saved or this many people were converted. And that's not the end of the story. There's discipleship. There's spiritual growth. There's leadership development. There's multiplying of disciples and churches. And so I think if we have that both now and not yet kind of picture of not just God's kingdom, but of even practically how we go about doing our work, I think it's important. And, and again, I guess this is the cliche. We might have a subtitle for exploring missions, know him and make him known. Yeah. That's the whole idea here. He wanted them to know him. He said, this is fulfilled in your hearing today. Know me. Yeah. And uh, this is the whole idea that we do know him in his glory, in his power. And so that is missional. Knowing him leads to missions, Nathan. To right. know him and not realize the missional part of our discipleship, of our stay here upon earth. You're missing out on the great adventure. That's people say. What's the adventure about? It's it's about making him known to yeah, others. That's right. So going back and looking at actual words that Jesus read from Isaiah, I think is important. But overall, just generally speaking, this is basically, and my this is my words, my thinking. This is Jesus basically passing out his uh, business card. Like, you know, <laughs> you, people have given you a business card, you look on it, and it has their name, but then underneath it kind of has their slogan or their uh, mission statement. Yeah, This is kind of Jesus' mission statement. I think it truly is. This is guided, not just guided his life, but it guides our understanding of how he ministered and how he came and, and lived and how he operated. And this is in close to the beginning of his ministry. So, yeah. yes, that is very appropriate. So what did Jesus come to do? Well... The Spirit of the Lord was on him to do these things. Preach good news to the poor. Proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recover sight for the blind. Release the oppressed. And proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, in a lot of ways, they all go together. They all deal in a relationship with him. They do. But, and, again, detailed. This is one of the times those details, they grow. It's I would say this is kind of crescendo. It goes and gets better. The anointed to preach the gospel, heal the brokenhearted. But here they preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is what Jews had been looking for. When is this going to happen? And he he's the one that's declaring it has come to be right now. I think it is a growing crescendo of his ministry into our lives and the claiming the kingdom. Amen. 
real quick, just one detail that I'd love to pull out of this is notice who he is sent to, who he's doing these activities. Like the verbs are he's preaching, he's proclaiming, he's recovering, he's releasing, he's proclaiming again. But who is he doing this for? The poor, the prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. And if you look at the last phrase, speaking of the year of Jubilee, those are the ones that are in, really in debt and uh, don't have yeah. any, anything of their own. Who is Jesus coming for? Well, he said he came for the sick, not the well. And uh, this is really interesting. And so here he is in the synagogue to, to a lot of, I'm sure some of the people there are probably down and out, but you probably don't find a lot of these people that Jesus is sent to here sitting in the synagogue on this day. There's probably not a lot of poor. There's probably no prisoners because they're in prison. There's probably not any blind people there at the synagogue. Uh, Oppressed. I don't know. Maybe all the Jewish people saw themselves as being oppressed. My point is Jesus came for those that are needy and desperate for him. When John the Baptist was wondering, is Jesus really the Christ? He told him something similar to this. He said, go and tell John that the poor are how the gospel preached to them. The blind are seeing, the lame walk. Nathan, he came for us. Amen. He came for us because in reality, that's who we are. We're broken. We're blind. Amazing grace it is, isn't it? Amen. Now, Moving on in the rest of the text, and we don't have to read it all, but in, uh, in verse 22, right after he says, hey, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, <laughs> you would think, man, they would rise up and say, this guy's a carpenter. He's not the Messiah. But what does it say? All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? So they didn't get mad yet. Now they will. They will. And it's interesting at what Jesus says that gets them angry. And even in verse 23, it's almost like he's provoking them a little bit. Because Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. In other words, he's calling them out for why they really came to the synagogue that day was to see Jesus do some magic tricks. He, he, he was a master at breaking up crowds. Yeah. <laughs> he, I called him the crowd buster. Okay? He, mm-hmm. was, he would... Make a crowd disperse quickly. So here's what Jesus says in the next few verses that gets the crowd all upset. He basically says, and you can read it for yourself in verses 24 following, but he's basically saying, he's given an example of Elijah and the widow, and the widow that Elijah went to and provided, God provided for in the middle of a famine was not an Israelite. And then verse 26, or in 27, Many in Israel had leprosy in the time of Elisha, but only the one who was cleansed was Naaman, who was a Syrian. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying this good news that I've come to bring, the poor, the blind, the oppressed, is not just for Israel, it's for the whole world, it's for all the nations. Jesus was always knocking down walls that the Jews had placed up. And he does it once again. And it's interesting that he would use Elijah and Elisha in both places. And the people that he uses, again, we're talking about Nazareth, talking about his hometown. We're talking about those Jews that had come to 
see what he had done in Capernaum. We want to see you do it here. I think sometimes to appease people, we may cheapen the gospel a little bit too, Nathan. And we don't need to. We need to say, yes, it's easy and it is simple, but it is so hard. Yeah. Because you have to come to the end of yourself. And if you're listening today and you just turned on the radio and you, we're about exploring missions, but the greatest mission is Jesus Christ coming to save sinners. And if you have never experienced this salvation that Jesus Christ offers, I pray that today you would recognize that you cannot do it yourself. You're totally dependent upon the Lord as you turn to him. You repent. You turn away from your way and say, God, I don't want to do it my way. I'm ready to do it your way. I know you died on the cross. I know you rose again. And today I place myself in your hands. I repent and I surrender my life to you. I pray you'd do that today. God looks at your heart. How about your words? Ah, the words are there. But God knows your heart. That's the great part. So the greatest mission trip in the world was Jesus Christ coming from heaven to earth to save sinners. Praise God he did that, Nathan. He did, and it wasn't just a select group of sinners. <laughs> it definitely wasn't people who didn't think they were sinners. It wasn't uh, for those people. Yes, Jesus died for them, but it requires humility and faith like a child to come to Jesus. So it's not just the humble in Israel, it's the humble in all nations. It's all the people of every people group that Jesus came to redeem, and he proclaimed the year of the Lord's favor. And he uses Elijah and Elisha. You brought that out. Would you say those are two prophets from the Old Testament that obviously the Spirit of the Lord was upon to do the work that they did? Elisha said, give me a double portion of your spirit. So what Luke purposefully records, I'm, I'm sure there was a few more words said than this, Yeah. but G, uh, Luke reports that, and he lets them know, and he's letting us know as well, the power of Jesus Christ being led by the Spirit. And as you said early, if we're going to be on mission for God, how important it is for us to first have that relationship with Jesus Christ and then be empowered by the Spirit of God. And it's the same Spirit that was upon Elijah and Elisha to do their great works that pointed forward to the Messiah. And the same Spirit was on the Messiah, Jesus himself, to do the works that he did. It's the same Spirit that dwells within us to allow us to do the same sort of works that Jesus has done and what he's called us to do. I would say our mission efforts, our work and activity should reflect what Jesus himself came to do, to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I would say that would be good preaching. Amen. Good teaching, and I hope it's been good teaching here on Exploring Missions on the American Family Radio Network and the Urban Family Network. We appreciate you so much listening to Exploring Missions, and we pray that God has saved you and you realize that you're on mission for God in your part of the world.